children we're back i'm michael louis over there hi there and we have gathered together this week to tell you that we should not fear what we have already defeated dun, 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 dun. <coughs> the only thing you have to fear is fear itself or a worldview that actually has all of its stuff together might be on that list as well wow yeah all right hopefully i will make all the annoying drinking sounds because it's cold and i have coffee so because oh, that's not annoying at all. You're welcome for that there, everybody. Yeah, we are uh, We are in the midst of our, our frozen iceberg land. The wind chill crept above zero today for the first time since Thursday. I was just going to say, we're, we're having a heat wave right and now. I, it's like I 12 think, degrees. And I think that's the last time the wind chill is going to be above zero until like Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So enjoy it. I hope you got your bathing suit out, worked on your tan, you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, yes, I'm drinking the coffee because I'm cold. Don't judge me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, we have fun stuff today. You know, this is one of those topics I had lined up like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. <coughs> I need to stop coughing. We'll be all set. I had this lined up three weeks ago, and then something else was ahead of it in the queue, so we tackled that first. And then, like, the world ended last week, so you couldn't get here. And I was like, you know, I was almost afraid, like, this was going to pass us by, and then it wasn't going to be relevant anymore. <laughs> silly me. Oh my me. goodness, that's silly so funny. me. Yeah, I think we almost missed the relevancy. Yeah, you know? like like the, yeah. Yeah, my, I, I was I was afraid the news topic would go out of style. <laughs> what was I thinking? We're being so, facetious here. Yeah. Folks. So the reminder: what we're going to do is we're going to lay our foundation with a, a little Bible look, and then we are going to explain an aspect of Christian theology. Hopefully, make sense of that, and then tell you what in pop culture is actually bringing this idea to mind. Sound good? I hope so, because that's what we're going to do, and we are going to dive right in with Ephesians chapter 5. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light." Notice there's a, there's a semicolon there, so they want you to kind of pause and get that, that idea. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. There's a lot in there, and, and here's the bad news of the day. We're not going to get to all of it, okay? You've been warned. We're going to try to get a foundation, though, that kind of makes sense towards what we're going towards. So, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. You should be anchored in this world, in your Christian faith, and capable of standing firm against the slings, arrows, words, deeds, and schemes that are going on around you. 
that that kind of is one of those duh Christian ideas, right? Right, right. We shouldn't be, you know, here, tither, and yon. We should be anchored to the truth as revealed to you in Scripture. Sorry, that was my creepy whisper because I was trying to make sure it was loud enough. So, do not let no one deceive you with empty words. Why won't that happen if I'm grounded in Christ? Well, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Yeah, that's a See, good question. That, that was a great question by Jesus, because what was his point? If you don't do what I say, you're building upon the sand. This is Luke 6, by the way. You're building upon the sand. And what's going to happen? Storms, wind, waves. You know, to quote the great prophet, um, Elmer Fudd, smog! And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, shame on you. Watch more Looney Tunes. <laughs> they will do you good. Uh, Spewing magic helmet, magic helmet. Oh, I'm, I'm seeing it now. You're, and you're blessed for it, aren't you? Yes. See? So all of those things are going to come upon you, and if you've built yourself upon the sand, what you're going to find is that there was nothing for your house to hold on to, and now you're like James and the giant peach just without the peach. Right. I'll take pop culture references that make no sense for a thousand, Alex. There you go. Which, you've... you know, we're only a few years away from that not making any sense since he's dead now. Yeah. Isn't that depressing? Yeah, people will forget it. Time catches up to everybody. Yep. Again, I keep saying, if, if getting old was fun, everybody would do it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. So, hey, 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 think <laughs> about it. Think about it. There's some wisdom there. Yeah. I don't know where, but it's there somewhere. So, by comparison, though, you build upon the rock. You build upon the word that Christ has given. You build upon the precepts of God going all the way back to the beginning, the foundations of who he is, what he has done for you, and how you live in light of those things. You have built upon solid ground. Wind, waves, storms, earthquakes, tornadoes, smog, whatever may come against you, you're fine. The house stands, it is built up well. Why? Colossians 2 gives you the same idea. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. And by the way, because I, I, I know Lou gets like a little special place in his heart every time I say this, this isn't just a New Testament idea. Read your Psalm 1. What's right. the compare and the contrast? The person who dwells and meditates upon the law of the Lord and the one who doesn't. Right. The one who does not is wicked and goes on to destruction. The one who does is like a tree planted by a stream with deep roots and waters to, to strengthen him. Right. And he grows and he prospers and he provides shade and things for the others. It is an... Excuse me, I'm getting choked again. <coughs> it is a consistent lesson of Scripture. Do you want to be firm in this world? Be bound, in the, be bound to, the, to the Lord. Do you want to be built up in this world? Be grounded in Scripture. Do you want to stand firm against the slings, arrows, temptations, and everything that may come against you? Know your Bible... And follow after it. You want a practical example of this? Go read Matthew and Luke 4 and read the temptation. Right. When Satan comes and twists scripture, Jesus goes, no. And then does what? It is written. He quotes scripture. Yeah. When Jesus teaches, how does he teach? What's the foundation of his teaching? The oh. commands, the yeah. precepts, and identity of who God is. It is the very word of God. It's the only thing that we can use to defend ourselves. We can use it to encourage ourselves. We can use it to help us uh, understand the world that we live in. And that's the idea. If we're not using that, we have unarmed ourselves. We are no longer capable of making sure that no one deceives us with empty words mm. because what we are going to be following after are the empty words. The only way to avoid the empty words is to know the full words. I think that's the right flip side of that coin. Where is truth found? It is found in the words concerning Christ. So. I think that's interesting the way you use those words, full mm -hmm. words. 
you know, Jesus says, think not that I've come to do away with the law. I've come to, and he used a Greek word, yes. fulfill, but that means to fill up. To complete, to right. overflow. My cup runneth over Right, so the words that you're using, good stuff. I mean, theologically sound, people can understand it, and it, it has great <laughs> meaning. We need to fill ourselves with so, the word of God. As opposed to the things, with, uh, the, the wrath of God comes upon sons of disobedience. Therefore, don't be partakers with them. Separate yourself from them. How would you do that? By grounding yourself in not being deceived in empty words, but by following the commands and precepts that God has laid down. So do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And again, this is not unique here to the Ephesian church. What did Paul tell the Corinthians when he was trying to describe what made them special? Do you not know, 1 Corinthians 6, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters. And this is one heck of a list. Idolaters, effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such Mm. were some of you. Mm. But, the most powerful three letters in the Bible, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. See, you are different. You were death. You were wrath. You were destruction. But in Christ, you have been redeemed from those things. Notice the language. You were washed. You were sanctified. Now, does that mean you're perfect? No. No. The now, not yet of your Bible. You were saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. You were sanctified in eternity past when the Lamb slain before the foundation of the earth gave his sacrifice. You were sanctified. Is it accomplished yet? Is it, or better yet, is it realized yet? No. It is accomplished, but not yet realized. Your faithful living is the realization of that. It will be completed for you in eternity. Congratulations. Christ will accomplish his good work. I think there's a Bible verse about that somewhere in Philippians. Right. And and notice, you know, the listeners, I hope you're noticing how um, Michael is filling in the gaps here. You know, you were once sons of disobedience. You know what I mean? Um Disobedient to what? To God's word, and then and then in Colossians it talks about it. It lays out all of the commandments and and the things that we were walking in in darkness, and it it's 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 a who's who of the Old Testament, and it's a who's who of God's law. It it it, it has not been done away with in the way that people think it has. If you want to see what it looks like to really mess up all of this and persevere to the end, just read your Old Testament. Right, you will see. People after people, person after person, nation after nation, going astray. You will see the mercy of God on display. You will see the grace of God in carrying these people. Read your Old Testament and then go read Hebrews 11. And just like shake your head in wonder and astonishment at the people who make it. And I mean, I think we made this, I don't know if we did make this point two weeks ago or what. No, it was, I, it was Sunday. Yeah. Was it Sunday school? Yep. I, I, mm-hmm. I make so many good points, I find that I'm running together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to break my own arm. So, no. Read your Hebrews 11 and then go back and actually read the stories of some of these people. And it's, it's failure after failure, which is why I've said for years, I know I've made this point here before and I'll make it again. Your, your Bible is not a story of human success. Yeah. It, is a, it is a story of human failure and the hero of every single story is God. And I'm right. throwing my pen around. Right. Broken people and God is able to, to work through us and to redeem us and to, like it says in your next passage here, to, to purchase us. Um, 
He yeah, bought first, us with a price. First Corinthians six twenty. You have been bought with a price. Yeah. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And don't just think this is Paul being a meanie and telling you you should be living differently in Christ. Peter putting aside all malice. First Peter two. All deceit hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So you can't do that. You can't put aside malice. You can't put aside deceit. You cannot put aside hypocrisy. You cannot put aside envy. You cannot put aside slander unless you have tasted the kindness of God. You do not walk differently so that he will show you mercy. You walk differently because he has shown you mercy that's an important distinction and you walk separate from the world so when the world is demanding that everybody go left you go okay why do you want me to go left well because this is what we're doing but the bible tells me i should be going right then you know what you should be doing going right well we don't like when you go left go right i don't care now if they tell you to go left and your bible says i don't care if you go left or right you know what make a decision use your conscience right but make sure you're prepared to evaluate these things. This is part of this, and Ephesians is going to make this point. Now, it's not just Peter either. John gives you the same argument in 1 John 2. By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. And again, John gets the order right, because before 1 John 2 comes 1 John 1, Mm -hmm. where he tells you, if you say you have no sin... You're a liar, and the truth isn't in you. But if you're faithful to confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive. So the order is this. You are redeemed. You are placed into the path of sanctification that will be realized in eternity because Christ has accomplished it. And you then walk after the way that Christ has laid out for you. Now, does that mean you will walk perfectly every day from here until eternity? No. No, no, And I'm not trying to make the argument that you should either. Well, I'm not saying I'm not going to make the argument that you should. I'm not making the argument that you will. You should endeavor to. And again, when you realize that you are in sin, what do you do? If you say that you have no sin, then truth is not in you. But if we are faithful to confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive. Same idea. This is Christian walking. A constant evaluation, understanding of life so that I can see where sin is, root it out, expose it to the light, burn it up like a vampire in a bad John Carpenter movie, and call it a day. (laughs) Are there bad John Carpenter movies? Yeah, well... I I mean, Remy, those... I mean, didn't he do, like, the Mars one? Wait, wait, no, he did do that vampire movie with Bon Jovi. Oh, I'm remembering a little snippets of that. Yeah, John Carpenter's Vampires. I think John Bon Jovi was the vampire hunter in that one. That's right. And he was, well, it was so cheesy, though. It was cheesy, but it was good cheesy. Like, it's it's one of those movies that's so bad that it's good. And, and, you know, and I appreciate movies that are so bad that they're good. I have a special place in my heart for them. Right. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Remember, the light kills the vampire. The light kills the sin. Sin is a vampire. Right. That's what we've discovered. It sucks the life out of you. I'm, I'm going good. with this. I'm Very going with good. this. Yes. Staying with it. Back to Ephesians 5. For the fruit of the light <laughs> consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Congratulations, Christian. This is the path you walk. Paul's not alone. Well, Paul doesn't solitarily make this point here. He makes it in Romans 12. This is the verse you should know by now if you've been paying any attention to us. Yeah, it's such a good verse. By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I've said this a million times. I will say it as long as God gives me breath. Christianity is a thinking religion. There is no autopilot. You have to be thinking and aware and evaluating what is going on around you so that you can determine what is good and right and pleasing to God and what is sin. When you find the sin, go the other way. Not some of the time, every time. And Paul built the same uh, foundation in Ephesians 4. Since we're reading all this Ephesians 5, I won't read to you Ephesians 4. You can go home and read Ephesians 4. It'll do you good. So, with all of that, Paul then gets to his punchline. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Yeah. See? That's kind of hard to do today, isn't it? Well, it shouldn't be. But we need to. We absolutely... And and the only way that we can expose them and even know them is by being grounded and rooted in the Word of God. See, and I would argue this is one of the blessings of the world right now, is that... It, I think it's actually easier to look at the world and go, hey, I, you know what? That looks an awful lot like sinful behavior. I'm going to stay over here. Right. I actually think that's getting easier and easier day by day. Well, I'm not saying that it's, it's not easy to identify. What's becoming difficult today in our age is to speak the truth. And that's something we're going to get to shortly. Right. But notice the point here. Based on being grounded, based on understanding and walking away from them, you don't have any fellowship with the darkness. But you, but you endeavor to do what? You endeavor to cook them like a vampire at high noon. Exposing them. Drag them out to the light and let them fry. This is what the gospel does. It is the power of God unto salvation. This is your Romans 1.16. For who? The Jew and the Greek, because this is how you live, by faith. This is the point 1 Corinthians 1 itself makes. The foolishness of God is better than the wisdom of men, because how does he say it? By the foolishness of preaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, as somebody, because I have the misfortune of actually having a degree in education, you wouldn't know it, but I actually do have a degree in education. You know the first thing they tell you is the least effective means of teaching people? What's that? Lecture. Really? It's terrible. They tell you if you're lecturing after about 10 to 15 minutes, depending on the person, low end is usually about 7 to 10 minutes, high end is 12 to 15 minutes, they zone out. And if you speak for 45 consecutive minutes on any one topic, people will only retain about 7 to 8 minutes worth of material. So. Did not know those statistics. Yeah. So that's, what, that's, why if you, um, that's why if you have a uh, millennial or a Gen Z kid in school, you're like, why do they have all these projects? And why are they doing all this group work? And why are they watching videos? It's literally to try to break that attention span up because they're trying to apply this science of learning. Now, I tell you that story because, um, one, I don't care. But two, what did God ordain as the means by which his, method, his, his message would proclaim out? Like, go into all the earth and do funny skits. No. Go into all the world and do group projects. No, go into all the world and proclaim. proclaim. And for a couple thousand years now, Christians have gathered regularly to do what? Listen to long-form exposition on Christian text. Mm-hmm. And what does it do? It strengthens us, it prepares us, and it guides us. Right. And we've been doing it for 2,000 years, and it works. Why? Because we're better than the rest of the world, and our education methods are superior. No. No. By the world's methods and by the world's understanding, what we're doing is ridiculous, and it is dumb. Yeah, and it shouldn't work, right? But we have a Holy Spirit. Right. And the Holy Spirit 
changes things. It, this is why you ever just like, how did I know that Bible verse? Or why did that Bible verse pop into my head? I hadn't been memorizing it. I hadn't been thinking about it. It was just there. You heard it at some point. Mm-hmm. You heard it in one of those long-form expositions or you, you watched it somewhere. And when the time was right for you to have the Holy Spirit, it's like, bing, we got that in the filing cabinet. Here you go. You needed that. You brought it right back into remembrance. It is good for you. This is why the... The not forsaking the assembly is so important. It's not just all the extra stuff. It's the passive part of this where the Holy Spirit is accumulating, girding, and strengthening you. This matters because this is what we do. We do not participate, but we expose them. How do we expose them? By knowing the truth, being grounded in the truth, proclaiming the truth, and not just to the people that are walking in the darkness, but to those that are walking around it. Saying, hey, don't go over there, over there, there be dragons. Don't go that direction. Some listen, some don't. That's not my concern. My concern is that I proclaim rightly. If you want a good example of this, read the book of Jude. It's 25 verses. It will do you well. Jude gives this long exposition in the middle of the letter explaining what the brokenness of not being grounded in Christ looks like. He uses historical examples, and he explains, these are the people that lead you astray. Mm-hmm. Do not follow after them. And that's why Paul concludes, but all things become visible when they are exposed to the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. He didn't pull that out of thin air. He got that from Jesus in John 3. Yeah, I think well, so. Well, actually, he didn't get it from Jesus. He got it from John in John 3, because I will go, I will stand on this hill and I will fight you with it. Jesus' words in John 3 ended verse 15. Okay. So the beloved John 3, 16 is, I, it shouldn't be in red letters. I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm, Dr. Black and I agree on this. That was my Greek professor who's, you know you're in trouble when you're using the professor's textbook, mm-hmm. especially in a language class. The man spoke eight languages. That's pretty amazing. Made me feel like an absolute moron. Ah, my computer's trying to do weird things. My computer's trying to do weird things. Okay, go away. Stop talking to me. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Pop up Stupid windows. Apple. <laughs> and if you're part of the Apple cult, repent. <laughs> Oh boy, I have some repenting to do. Yeah, as Lou, as I look at Lou's iPhone and iPad, yeah. <laughs> the only Android in this room is my phone, and it's being used as a stopwatch. <laughs> there said, there's how we roll. But no, John makes this explanation. This is the judgment that light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. See, the evil people like the darkness because they don't get exposed. Yeah. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. See, what do you think he's talking about there, he who practices the truth? He's talking about walking in Christ. Right. He's talking about being grounded and built up, Colossians 2. He's talking about being grounded in the Word, Ephesians 4 and 5. The Word He's of God, talking that's talking about knowing the precepts and commands of God, Romans 12, so that you may live in the light. Now. Yeah. I mean, Jesus says, oh. you know, um, in his high priestly prayer, that he, he was praying to the Father, I pray that you keep them in the truth. Your word, O oh Lord, is truth. truth. Yeah, be grounded in the word. Be right. grounded in the scripture. Right. Going all the way back, Genesis to Revelation, be grounded in who God is, what he has told you to do, and how he has told you to do it. Right. This matters. Now then, we tell you that story, so we can tell you this story. Our fun little Christian idea, I can't really call this a doctrine, it's not really a doctrine, but it is a part of theology. The idea of syncretism. Mm. And I promise this is going to make sense in a few minutes. Now, what is syncretism? Syncretism is the mixing, melding, 
meshing, fusing. Have I have I used enough buzzwords for you yet? You feel like you're in a corporate board meeting yet? <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to meld the fusion of the mixing and create a mesh. And that's what syncretism does. And it's of two worldviews stuck together. If you'd like a practical example of this, um, go look at... Um, what's the non-offensive way to say this? got to think. There may not be a Probably not way a way. Yeah. Um, go look at low country... Gulf United States. So I'm talking about Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. Very high Catholic population, mm-hmm. but also a very high Caribbean population. And you'll also see this somewhat in the Caribbean. And what you'll have is a syncretism of the animistic religions. Voodoo would be one, but animism would be anything having to do with the worship and uh, command of nature. Mm-hmm. You have an, uh, a fusion of animism and Catholicism. So whereas in years past, you would have had the witch doctor in your village, you know, find whatever demon, spirit, whatever it is that you call it, that is in charge of illness or in charge of your chickens or in charge of your goat herd or in charge of your children's health. And the witch doctor would offer sacrifice and offer prayers and burn whatever it is you burned to that spirit to give you good health, good goats, whatever it may be. Catholicism came in and said, no, 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 no. You don't pray to the spirit. You pray to saint, you know, who's a what's my God? You know, whoever that saint may be. He's the patron saint of children. He's the patron saint of goat herds. He's the patron saint of whatever. Right. And so what the witch doctor in the town would then do is he's not a priest, but he becomes the local prayer shaman. He's no longer offering, you know, prayers to the spirits. He's offering prayers to... The saints. Or yeah. he's no longer doing it in the power of, you know, Gaia or Mother Earth or whatever. He's now doing it in the power of Mary and of Christ. Yeah. This is an idea of syncretism. I, I tell this example all the time because I... I um, ancestor was, worship too, you know. I'm sorry? Ancestor worship yeah, is a same big idea. part of that, yeah. I always like this story and I'm reminded of it because I, I had a chance to uh, have a conversation with a missionary when I was a seminary student who was working in Haiti. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he was having all sorts of fun. Lots it, of, lots of stuff and he goes, I keep running into trouble because I keep going to these villages and they, they'll find out <laughs> that you're a missionary. And, you know, being a missionary with any funding usually comes with some, you know, improvements, you know, building projects. It makes the village a nicer place to live. And then they sprinkle a little gospel on it and call it a day. But he said he was having a terrible time because they find that he's a missionary, so they want him to get him in the village so we'll do some projects and help out. But then it's like, well, so who are you with? And he tells him he's with the Southern Baptist Convention. Ah. We don't like the Baptists that much. Right. We prefer the Catholics. I'm sure. And he said, why do you prefer the Catholics? Well, the Catholics let us keep voodoo. You Baptists make us get, make us get rid of it. <laughs> it's just like, that's cold. He's like, dude, it's what's happening to me in villages. Right. I, the, 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 the priest or the, the missionary from the Jesuits or whatever comes in and goes, no, 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 no. It's, it's not the spirit of the chicken. It's, you know, St. Anthony or whatever. And, you know, we come in there and be like, no, there's no saint. There's no spirit. There's just God. So worship and serve him only. And they're like, that's no fun. <laughs> what am I going to do as the witch doctor in town? i got to have a setup. Now, I'm giving you a silly example of syncretism. A real world, uh, maybe one that might hit punch in the kidneys a little bit example of syncretism is this. We're not going to have this debate because I'm not having it right now. But let's just say for the sake of argument that there was a Christian holiday that didn't have a, a firm date. You know, something something that would be important but not too important. Like, you know, like when should we celebrate the birth of Jesus? 
And so, like, you know, we don't really have it nailed down. There's a couple <laughs> different places that have some couple, couple of different ideas on it, and, and they're right. kind of arguing with each other. And somebody comes along and goes, you know, there's this cult thing. And they, um, there's actually a couple of cult things, and, and they really like that winter date, you know, the one that Bob over there is arguing for. And they really like that winter date, and I think if we use that date, we could, like, funnel off and siphon off some of their people, and we can just kind of trick them into Christianity. And we go, okay, so we'll use, we'll use that date and we'll use the, we'll use a December 25th, you know, we'll take it from Mithras, we'll take it from Saturnalia festival. And we'll just say that's Jesus's day. And that way, when they're really doing their festivals, we can kind of start co-opting it and making that a part of Christianity. Do you think that really works? No, it never works. No. That's why we call it syncretism. Right. It's not a saying this happened on this day. It's a borrowing from another idea as an effort, effort to fuse them together. Now, am I saying that really happened with Christmas? I'm not saying it did. I'm not saying it didn't. Okay? And I'm just going to leave it right there. Oh, leave it right there. We're not, I know. I'm, I'm making Lou itch. I'm itching over here. Now, I, I have some sympathies on both sides of this argument and people I respect on both sides of this argument. So I'm just going to leave it right there. But the point of the matter is the temptation of humanity is to, where we can, soften. Right. And that's why I said earlier, when the culture demands you go left, what does your Bible say? Well, the Bible says I got to go right. Go right. Do not try to move the path from the right towards the left. Do not try to move the path closer. Go down the path the Bible says to go down. Right. And this is where the evaluation becomes so difficult because the temptation to syncretism is around us constantly. And it disguises itself as a temptation of living in and amongst the world in general, which we have to do. Right. I mean, you, you have to live in the world, interact with the pagans, do business with the unbelievers. You, you can't avoid it. But it says, do not learn the ways of the heathen, right? Exactly. This is the, and that's the this distinction. This is where you're going, right? Yep. Oh, I'm so sad. I just oh, finished my just coffee. Oh, you just ran out of coffee. I just finished my coffee. Oh, oh it's going to get bad around here. <laughs> <laughs> it's only like my fifth cup today. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Fourth. Third. No, wait. I'm not ready yet. Anyway. Right. You can't tell you need another cup. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I can quit anytime I want to. I just, I just don't, don't want, want to. to. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold, I'm telling you. It's cold. No. And that's where the line of understanding and evaluating. This is why the being grounded in Christ. You know, you're uh, let no one deceive you with empty words, Ephesians 5, 6. Because you understand the truth and you know the truth. If you are doing that work, you are grounded in such a way that you can evaluate what the world is telling you and say, okay, this part of it I will accept simply because it does not violate anything and it is part of living amongst you pagans. Mm -hmm. But this part of it I will reject because it is not a part of living amongst the pagans. It is a part of your worldview. It is a part of the system of who you are. So, like, are electric cars evil? No. No. Are you, are you sinning or not sinning by buying a gas, diesel, or electric vehicle? No. No. Are there some aspects of our culture that are so pagan that they think diesel and petrol are evil? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Now, if you buy an electric car for those reasons, are you now doing what you think is best or are you buying into the worldview that the pagans are presenting? See, well, you're buying into the worldview, but people who often think that way 
they don't have a Christian worldview to begin with, do they? But that's my point. But I, I'm, I'm not making a general blanket statement. I'm just saying that. No, pe- no, no. But how? But this is the problem: is the overwhelming tsunami of information we are hit with day in and day out right. makes it easy to to drift into a pagan idea for a pagan reason. Right. I mean, you could sit down and say, you know, I, look, realistic Christian opinion could be. We are supposed to steward the planet. Absolutely. That's and where I was going to go with that. And we will best yeah. steward the planet if more people drive electric vehicles. Look, I'm not convinced yet, but I understand the argument, and I'm, I'm with you. I get it. Right. So if you say we would be better served being electric, I would, then I would think I should buy an electric vehicle. Awesome. Yeah. Could, you are evaluating a Christian principle coming to a Christian conclusion, right. and then enacting it in a way that follows. Now, It edifies it, your neighbor as well. I mean, it, it can be an edifying thing yes. to think that way. But to sit the there and side. say, you know, no, I'm on the Greenpeace drinking the Kool-Aid. We're gonna we're gonna draw, drive barges that burn more diesel per minute than the things we're protesting against. <laughs> yeah, Remind me later. I got to tell you a great Greenpeace story. Oh boy, from a friend of mine. You know what? We'll just take a time. Story time. Story time. Let's um, do it. This is secondhand. I'll admit this. I had a friend of mine that I went to high school with who uh, joined the Navy as a nuclear engineer running the reactor on uh, nuclear submarines. No kidding. And his, uh, his master chief was talking about being on a submarine, and they were somewhere up in the North Atlantic doing something. And Greenpeace found them. I don't know what they were doing up there, and if it was war games or you know drills or something, but they were there, and one of the ships was up there, and the Greenpeace guys were getting off the big tanker barge that they have. And they were using those little Zodiacs, mm-hmm. and they were zooming up close to the naval ships and then zooming off, you know, just to be aggravating little cusses. Well, if you don't know, a Zodiac is a glorified inflatable dinghy sure. with an outboard motor. Absolutely. Well, they were getting too close, and they were getting to the point where you know, you're starting to make the captain nervous because he can't maneuver without worrying about killing one of, this, one of these groups. So he gave the command to repel borders. Oh, now, hey. what that in- means is they have these high-powered water cannons on naval ships oh, yeah. that, I mean, you're talking like they can actually, if you get hit by it, it will, it will launch you. Yes. And so these Greenpeace Zodiacs were coming up close, and so they fired up the, the water cannons, and what the guys on deck discovered was that if you hit a Zodiac right in the right spot in the middle, they fold up and sink instantly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so these guys are zooming by in these Zodiacs, and they're just... And just folding the boats in half and sinking them right there. That's amazing. And then they had to send out divers to pick them up and rescue them. Right. But he said it was like a game. Guys were, like, paying money to get their turn to run the cannon because they wanted to shoot the next one like a carnival. Oh, my goodness. So that has nothing to do with anything but is Greenpeace evil? Maybe. I could probably make the case. Is stewarding the planet evil? No. No. This is the concern I'm giving you, Christian. Don't buy the electric car because I love the mother and fossil fuels are evil and the world is going to end in the next 10 years. Keep in mind that I'm telling you the world is going to end for the next 10 years for the last 45 years. Just say. But if you want to say, I think an electric vehicle stewards the planet better, here's my, here's my examples. This is how we exercise dominion rightly and how I care for the things that God has given me. Then by all means, God bless you. Do it. But make sure you're grounding your understandings in Christian ideals and not pagan ideals. Uh, Here's a good example from my own life. I homeschool my children. I'm not part of the cult, but I do homeschool. (laughs) And I will admit my wife does most of the work because, you know, I have a job. (laughs) Hmm. So I can't be there all the time. 
if I'm homeschooling my kids in order to keep them out of public school, that is not a valid Christian reason. Might be a good reason, but it's a cultural reason. If I am homeschooling my children because I think Deuteronomy tells me that it is my responsibility to educate my children and to give them a Christian foundation, and that includes how they think about reading and writing and arithmetic, and that includes building them up in Christ in the way that they study and the way that they do school, taking my responsibility as a parent seriously to train them up in all things, then I am homeschooling my children for a Christian reason. Those two things are not the same. Right, because the goal is to develop and to teach your children so that they become part of our civilization yes. and that they can be a light to the world yes. and that they aren't going to be taken astray by the things that they come across when they get out. You you are teaching and training them in the way that they should go, and they're going to go and do the same thing to their kids, and they're going to disciple other people. And for some families, that is best accomplished in public schools. And for some families, that's best accomplished in private schools. For some families, that's best accomplished with tutors. For some, it's best accomplished in homeschooling right. environments. Right. Who has to make that determination according to their wisdom, their abilities, and their means? Well, the individual Christian the, the family individual, does. Yeah. And they should, and they do. But that's making it for a Christian reason. Now, hopefully we have not confused you. Hopefully we have made sense of this. Why does this matter? Because the, all the rage is the uh, social media censorship, the, the cancel culture regime that is going along that, you know, if you spout news we don't like, Facebook will block you. Twitter will ban you. They will take you down. Um, try to start a new Twitter, and they'll just take that down as well. Right. And the argument that I keep hearing for this is that you don't have a right to the platform. To which I would actually say, you know what? You're right. Why has it always been pagan cultures that have engaged in the most censorship? You ever wondered that? Like, even in the Middle Ages, it was the, the established Roman Catholic Church that engaged in the most censorship. Why? Because it was basically a pagan culture. You had corrupt popes running brothels. I'm not making that up. Do your homework. You'll enjoy it. Challenging the people reading the scriptures, challenging the idea of debate about the meaning of soteriology and how it worked. Throughout history, Roman Empire, uh, middle medieval monarchs, popes, it is the most pagan among us who are the most censorious. Censor, censorious. That was the word. Mm -hmm. I was right the first time. The ones who do not want any discussion. Why is that? Well, because the truth, you know, it, it, it refutes the, the, the lies that are being espoused. It is the light in the darkness. I mean, but, you know, we, we just talked about, you know, the Roman Catholic Church and paganism and syncretism and, and all. I mean, but we also have things like communism that, that, that creep in and socialism, and they do the same things as well. All things become visible when they are exposed by the light, right. which is why the first thing the pagan world wants to do is blur the lines and get things as dark as possible. That's why the original, uh, the original lie was, did God really, really say? say? Yeah. And why the continuing oh, lie... It goes when, all the way back to the beginning. It does. And why, what was the continuing lie? What did Satan do? He, he doesn't try to hide. He tries to distort. Right. He tries to twist. Same ideas, same concepts. Now, the reason this becomes important is the world is going to continue to do this. Now, do you have the right to have a Twitter account? No. Do you have the right to have a Facebook page? No. Do you have the right for the New York Times to publish your, your articles? No. But be wary when the, the minute we say, I'm not sure I want to have that conversation. 
You know what conversation I want to have? All of them. I want to have all of them. You know why? Because I'm standing on a solid rock. I am standing upon the truth, and I am not afraid of your arguments. I am not afraid of the smog or the winds or the rains or the rising seas. I am not afraid of anything because I have the truth. I know the truth, and therefore I am free. Free. Because I have what Christ provides. See, the world around you wants to hide and change the argument because what does it want to do? It wants to control the narrative, what's known in, uh, um, in media as the Overton window, the flow of information that is acceptable. See, culture in large, the more it becomes pagan, is the more it will not tolerate any dissension. This is where your cancel culture comes in. This is where your ideas of everything is being homophobic or transphobic or feminist or ageist or, you know, misogynistic. Everything's an ism or a phobia because we don't even want to have the debate. You're just a hateful, bigoted Nazi, and we don't have to talk to you because they don't have an argument, and they Mm -hmm. don't want to debate. This is why the Christian has always been about engaging in ideas because what do we do? We proclaim the Holy Spirit does his work, hearts and minds are changed, society is improved. A culture that is unwilling to think is a culture that is unwilling to repent, and that becomes the danger because if a culture becomes unwilling to think through things, they are outside the purview of of really understanding and of being reached by scripture because you, again, Christianity is a thinking religion. You have to evaluate. You have to actually hear in order for the Holy Spirit to do these things. Your faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words concerning Christ. When we get to a place in the culture that we are being told or we are saying that we won't even have the conversation, we are getting to a dark point in Christian, not in Christian culture, we're getting to a dark point in human culture. Now, I say that because the question then becomes, what do we do? Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes, become, comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Yes, I skipped a little bit, you'll be all right. What's my call? To do the same thing I've always done. Do I need Twitter to do it? No. Do I need Facebook to do it? No. Do I need a, an iPhone to do it? No. You probably shouldn't have an iPhone. iPhones are evil. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> and I say that as Jonathan's arriving for Bible study and he's sitting on his iPhone, but I'll tell him the same thing. Do I need those? No. What do I need? I need the grounding and the knowledge to proclaim and to walk faithfully. What is the great light that I shine? It is the proclamation of the gospel in both my words and my deeds, my faithful living, and my ability to stand here and say, no, I am grounded, I am discipled, I am making disciples, I am discipling, and I am walking faithfully, and I am evaluating culture. And while I may not have a platform that reaches tens of millions of people, I'm reaching you. You know, we we don't need those platforms really to make a difference. If each of us disciple a person, we can reach Far more people than Facebook or Twitter. And that's, I don't think people get that, though. And that's the danger. And this is, why, this is where syncretism matters. Look at Lou getting this full circle. Go team. Go team. <laughs> because the danger becomes I, I see the things that the world has or I see the means that the world is using and I go, I need those. Mm-hmm. I need a Christian Twitter. I need a, a Christian Facebook or I need a, a Christian Google. No, I need the gospel. 
And the danger becomes if I think I need those things to accomplish my Christian living or to accomplish even my evangelism or my discipleship, I am borrowing from the culture in a dangerous way because I am not borrowing to make my life easier or better. I am borrowing to assimilate it into my worldview. And there becomes the watered down. There be the dragons of the canyons. There's the problem. My syncretism becomes a problem because I am now taking from them and assimilating it to who I am, what I'm doing, and walking in that. And the minute I'm walking in that, I am no longer exposing the darkness, but I am knee-deep in the darkness. Now, the command is to continually come back to Scripture, to continually live simply in the Word, being a disciple, making disciples, and proclaiming and walking in the truth. No. Well, one of oh, the sorry. things one of the things that I've noticed about worldviews that pro you know, they don't they don't adhere to the Word of God. One of the things that they do, and they're smart, they go after your children. Mm-hmm. Communism does it. There's all kinds of worldviews that do. They'll, Islam does it. Hinduism does it. They right, all do it. Right. So how do we combat? We don't combat this world by becoming just like well. We, we combat them by teaching and training our children so that they can't twist their minds, and we have to do that by not participating in the world and the things that they're doing, but participating in the culture and economy of God through the Word of God and to teach our children around. That's the only way we're going to make a difference in our culture. How, how many? It, how it's many not ch- Twitter. It's not, it's, they're not no. going to save us. How many church families have we lost to sporting events, and how many... Young men and young women have we lost to pagan ideas of dating and marriage and living. Right. We get caught up with the world. Because what we're doing is we see how the world lives and we go, well, we can just live like that. No, no, we can't. We've got to stand apart, which means how I date, how I talk to my spouse, how I go to work, how I go to the store, what things I celebrate, what things I don't celebrate, all have to be answerable to Christ, how he has laid down his word and how we walk within it. Right. And see, that becomes the important part because if we're not doing that – we're going to wake up one day and go, how did we get here? Well, I think it also is full circle with something that we talked about the last time, which is sanctification. Yes. We are called out of this world. We're called out to be holy. We're supposed to be a nation of priests unto God. And how, how are we going to do that if we're acting just like the world? We can't. You can't. Which, again, can I be – now, does this mean you, should, you shouldn't use Facebook and Twitter? No. I didn't say that. not what I'm saying. Can I, yeah. use them as my, can I use them for news? Can I use them for information? Can I use them for evangelism and discipleship? Sure. Yes. Sure. Yes, I can. If I'm using them to accomplish good things, I am not syncretizing with them. I'm taking advantage of the things that the world has provided and a means that glorify God. But when I demand that I need them or I think that I cannot function without them, mm-hmm. that becomes the problem. When, I, when I'm engaging in relationships exclusively through the means of the world, I have a problem. When I'm no longer evaluating, but I'm accommodating. Right. I'm changing the message so that I can stay on Twitter. Or I'm changing the, the wording there so that I is. can stay on Facebook. Wow, yes. what, what am I doing? Yes. I'm now syncretizing my religion to the culture, and I am walking in darkness. I, I just got to be honest. I think some of these forms of multimedia are so impersonal. Well, they are, and they're designed to be. And, 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 and if we think for a minute that we're going to reach somebody's heart with something that we write on Facebook, I mean, maybe you'll find somebody that it touches, but the, the one-on-one interaction that, that, that takes place between having a conversation like we're having right now and like we have with our children and our children have with their friends, and that's how we change things. And that's, and that's how discipleship has always worked. Yeah. Christianity works from the bottom up, not the top down. Right. Now, 
does that, again, does that mean we forsake a witness on all those platforms? No. no. As no, long no. as they'll let us on there, we do it and we proclaim the truth. But the minute we have to change either ourselves or the message in order to accommodate to keep ourselves there, we've missed something. Right. We, are, we are now substituting the saint for the, the spirit, and we are mixing our religion with voodoo if we go back. So we can't do that. So Christian, be grounded in the truth, know what you believe, and then know how that applies to how you live and work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Okay. So do we need it? Is there anything else that we just have to say? No, I think we're good. All right. So what have we learned today, children? I wrote them down. We must walk in the light. We must be careful not to cozy up to the culture too closely. Mm-hmm. And darkness always demands that the light be extinguished. But Christian, we are in the light, and we do not fear because he is with us. Yeah, they will All never right. extinguish our Lord. Questions, comments, complaints, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. It is that website, practicaltheologyministries.com, where you can find some resources, some other fun things. You can get links to worship services here at the church and all that good stuff. Um, I think that covers everything. You can find our links, Facebook and Twitter. Hopefully going to get some new stuff up there in the coming weeks, trying to get my life organized and not freeze to death so we can get some more resources up there for you. In the meantime, check out all that. Listen to past episodes. Give us good reviews. Share them with your friends and neighbors. Read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.